Dollars and Hops podcast, where we help you optimize your financial future. Here are your hosts, Scott and Lance. Welcome back to the Dollars and Hops podcast, where we help you optimize your financial future. My name is Lance. I am your host. I am freshly back from a little bit of rest and relaxation and some adventure uh, on a crazy trip. I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But Scott, what's up, brother? My co-host is here, uh, not physically here in the studio with me, but up in his office studio in Maryland. What's happening, brother? How have you been? It's been a while. Lance, it's, a while. it's good to be back. It's been far too long. I don't know what we've been doing. Too, too Lance long. Lance has been like spearfishing and out, out in the middle of attempting the, the to, Caribbean, attempting to spearfish, like, throwing <laughs> spears at fish, and I've been like up in Newport, Rhode Island, with my wife, and uh, yeah, we, we we need to get back into it. So I, I'm excited uh, to 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 finally get back in the saddle, and and today we're going to be talking about it's about time credit freeze, and I think this is this is something that's definitely not talked about or. or I feel like it's not talked about on hardly any podcast that I listen to. And, um, there's, there's one, there's one guy in particular that I can kind of thank for this. It's Clark Howard, Clark Howard, the I man love listening the to, legend to himself Clark Howard podcast. And he's love been him. talking about the credit freeze for years and years and years. And really outside of him don't really hear about this. So hopefully this is something new and exciting for our listeners and, and, and a way to protect your credit profile. So we're going to hop into that in, in just a few minutes. Uh, but before we do each and every episode, Lance and I will sip on a craft brew. And at the end, we put them head to head. It's our way to have fun on this podcast. Um, so we'll, we'll both sip on a craft brew. We rate them at the end, establish a winner. Lance, what are you sipping on tonight? I'm going back up to Sierra Nevada. One of my favorite regional breweries that um i mean i just love everything they put out uh they're out in mills river north carolina that's near Asheville, as their kind of regional headquarters here and this is going to be the tropical torpedo ipa uh it, it, listen it promises a lot i love the torpedo ipa and this one's the tropical torpedo ipa so excited to dig into it scott what are you working with i love i love it tropical i mean ipa that sounds like something i would enjoy so um Tonight, I'm actually going to your neck of the woods, Lance. This one's out of Mount Pleasant, which you really say, you say it's Charleston. This is from Westbrook oh, yeah. Brewing Company. Let's go. Which I think has been on, it's been featured on the pod before. I'll be drinking the One Claw. It's a rye pale ale, and I'm excited to dig into it. We actually have a, a, a brewery local called Monument City that has a, a rye that I really, really enjoy. So, I'm yeah. excited to dig into this one. Love that. So I think, uh, I think Scott, I think we got a headline that one of our listeners and a good friend of mine uh, sent in to the pod. Thank you for sending that in. Cam, um, what do we got, Scott? What did Cam send us? Yeah, so this one comes from The Hill. It says, the time is now for action on Social Security. And Cam, Cam actually sent this in as a question, and he sent me the article. Um, and he was kind of like, Hey, I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. And I, I just decided, Hey, let's, let's, let's talk about this like in detail as, as part of the article. Cause I, I had read some things in here that I, I did not know myself. So I thought it was pretty interesting, but basically 
Uh, what I found out uh, by reading this article is that the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office uh, recently forecasted that Social Security will, for the first time in 40 years, run a deficit this year. Um, and and I, the first time in 40 years that they had run a deficit, I hear all these negative headlines about Social Security for, for years and years and years. Um, and I was kind of surprised that this is the first time really in 40 years that there was a deficit, uh, meaning obviously less money's coming in than, um, than, than they're paying out. So um, basically there's a $120 billion deficit this year, and they expect that number to grow to $384 billion by 2030. So mm. that's $384 billion per year in deficit. So basically what this means is that there's fewer and fewer people paying into Social Security, and there's more and more people as the boomers retire that are getting Social Security. So the, the numbers aren't adding up. So they're projecting by 2032, the Social Security Trust Fund that was once at $2.9 trillion in assets will be completely depleted. Mm, that is not good, I don't think. So apparently we had a, a, a similar situation back in the early 80s under, under Ronald Reagan, and they did some reform. And, and when you say reform, what exactly was done? Basically, they raised taxes to increase the amount the funding of, yeah the funding for social security so that yeah. so that people would actually receive their benefits so i think we're basically coming to a head here in the next really 11 years 11 years the 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 trust fund will run dry unless congress acts and actually passes something uh, to increase funding for social security to keep things at the we all know we can uh, trust Congress to pass the proper legislation that's needed um, to help us all out, right? Like we can we can trust Congress, right? It's good. Yeah, I it's, mean it yeah. just seems very logical. I mean they get they know how to really they know how to well. get they know how to get things done up there in DC, right? <laughs> <laughs> One thing I was thinking though, I, I, and I agree with you, it's like it's insane. At some point, like the the earlier that they deal with this, the less. I guess consequential it will be from a tax standpoint. Obviously, if they start, uh, you know, if they do reform now rather than waiting eleven years to do reform, I would imagine that the impacts to you and me, you know, the people that are working that are paying into Social Security, uh, will be less than if they wait, you know, those full twelve years. But agreed. I I don't I don't think that there's any politician that's going to be running on a platform that says, hey, let's just get rid of Social Security something that people have paid into their whole working lives, they're, they're just not going to get rid of it. So not a I very popular that, platform to run on as a politician. Yeah. That would be the quickest way to not get elected, yep. um, not get reelected, et cetera. So I think that there will be some sort of reform that happens. I think that uh, there, there, ne there, there needs to be, there it, must and be. Who knows how long it's going to take. Right. Um, yeah. But Cam, when, when he when he wrote in his question, I, you know, he was kind of like, "What what do we do? What does this mean for us?" And which is a great um, question. That means he's thinking about it. He's planning for the future. Um, you know, should I count on this? Should should I not count on this? Right. And, and and I think that I don't know. For me, when I'm doing my retirement planning, I'm not really relying 
so head heavily on social security. I kind of think of social security as like, if we get it great, it, but it's almost extra money. So when I'm, when I'm kind of doing my calculations, my freedom quotient number, all of that, I'm not really factoring in social security because I have no idea what it's going to be. I think that's wise. I think, um, it's wise to think that social security will be there in some form, but for planning purposes, when you're planning for your retirement to almost pretend as if it's not even there at all, but to know in the back of your head that something likely will be there, but it, it may not be significant and that's okay. It doesn't mean the end of the world is coming. Uh, it just means that we need to plan better and all the more reason to start planning. Now there's no better time than the present to be thinking about your future and making decisions today that impact your future. Um, which is all the things we've been talking about on this podcast for, you know, the past almost year now we've been going, Scott, but talking about, you know, from budgeting to living on less than you make to investing to all the things we talk about following our financial playbook, you know, the HSA hack, everything. Um, all these things are driving towards an end goal of, you know, living and giving a lesson you make and growing your wealth to a point where you become financially stable and independent. And, you know, if whether social security there is there or not is really inconsequential to you as an individual. And, you know, maybe you're able to help some other people out who are in a, in a different spot. Um, but that's, that's my thought on it as well. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I agree. It's almost like, you know, focus more on what the things you can control, your 401k, there you your go. IRA, there your you HSA, go. all that stuff. That's it. And Love if, that. If, if social security is there, great. It's extra. <laughs> but I, I, I almost just say don't count on it. Um, so, all right, Lance, let's, let's hop into talking about credit freeze. Uh, credit freeze. Yeah, it sounds. sounds I'm so a little cool. chilly. I'm a little cold. I'm a little cold, <laughs> chilly, just talking about this, man. It's like I'm feeling the AC's on high up here. It's hot as you know what down here, man. So it, credit freeze is not taking your credit cards and freezing them. None of that. It is it, really the credit freeze is. It's just a mechanism, and it's really the best way to protect your financial information from criminals. So think about your credit mm. profile. Something that. Uh, when you go to buy a car, you go to buy a house and you put down your social security number and you're, you know, applying for a loan, they're pulling a credit file. Now, the only way they can pull that credit file is if your credit is not frozen. But what we're going to tell you tonight is you can freeze your credit profile and it will essentially lock it down from anybody getting access to it. Nobody can get access to your credit profile unless you thaw, temporarily thaw the file with whatever bureau it is that somebody's pulling credit from. So there's basically a process that's in place with all three credit bureaus. This credit freeze, sometimes it's called a security freeze. Um, but basically, there's three different credit agencies, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. And this is a government-sanctioned process that basically allows you to put your credit into the freeze so no one can access it. And into no the identity deep freeze, theft. the north <laughs> freeze. And that way, no identity <laughs> theft can actually happen. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
the credit freeze, as Scott alluded to earlier, was something that I first heard of from Clark Howard. And back then, I think some states were even charging like a minimal fee to actually freeze your credit to protect yourself um, with each of the three bureaus or maybe one or two of the bureaus were charging and some others weren't in certain states and all of that. Um, That has now since passed away and everything is now free for you, the listener, for me, for Scott, to freeze our credit at all three bureaus and not pay a dime. But making sure that when we do freeze our credit, knowing that we need to be very diligent in how we log and organize our information, our login information, the PIN codes that you get to thaw or lift that credit freeze in the event you do need to um, refinance your house or buy a home or buy a car um, or you know take out a loan of some sort where your credit would need to be checked, um, you will have to go and thaw and lift manually do that process. You will manually have to go through that process to lift the freeze in one or probably all three of the bureaus, which can kind of be a pain. But I can tell you, it's less of a pain if you organize well and make sure you have all that information um, in a file somewhere. Yep. I love it, Lance. So basically, I'm going to run through exactly how this works. So basically, each of the three bureaus have a website that you can go to. We're going to link to it in the show notes. Um, I'll, I'll link exactly to the website that you have to go to. Um, some websites, I think all websites now, all, all three actually have logins. So you'll create, you'll register for an account. They'll make you answer some security questions to verify your identity. Um, they'll assign you once you go through the process and actually freeze your credit, they'll assign you as Lance alluded to a code. So make sure you, you store that code somewhere incredibly safe. Like Lance said, the record keeping is extremely important. I would go digital. I would also go physical. Maybe maybe one one digital copy, Agreed. one physical copy. Maybe stick it in your safe, something like that. Don't lose that code because when you go to thaw your file, you're going to need it. Um, and then, as Lance, Lance said, when you go to apply for a loan, you're going to have to temporarily thaw your credit file with one or all three of the bureaus. If you're getting like a, a mortgage or something like that, usually it'll be all three. If it's like a car loan, something like that, usually it's just one or two. Um, and as Lance said, 100% free. Uh, used to cost some money. And it is it is something that that's 100% free, and it's something that people pay for like crazy. They pay <laughs> for, like people love to spend money on credit monitoring. Credit monitoring. Now that's the same as credit freeze, right? It is not. It is not it is even not. close to as good as credit freeze. Nope. And the, the reason it is not even close to as good as credit freeze is because it's really more reactionary in nature. So it's really um, alerting you whenever something has actually happened on your credit profile. So it, it, it's it's saying, hey, somebody opened credit uh, at such and such bank uh, or a mortgage loan, but under your name, under, under your name, <laughs> which is great that, you know, right. But it'd be great if it stopped them before, before it happened, it. Yeah. which is what a, a, a credit freeze will essentially do. So that's why we kind of shy away from 
recommending a LifeLock or a any other any other credit monitoring service that charges a, a monthly or an annual fee, it just doesn't go as far from a protection standpoint as the credit freeze does. I agree wholeheartedly, Scott. Um, I can tell you, you know, there's there's ups and downs like anything, and by locking your freeze or locking your credit down with a credit freeze. Um, you sleep better at night knowing that, hey, no one is going to go out there in my name or my wife's name and open up a credit card in our name or buy anything on credit in our name or, you know, mess around in, in any sort of fraudulent way using our credit um, because I have a freeze in place for both of us. Um, however, I remember, you know, about a year or two ago, uh, we did a, no, it was, it was last year. It was about a year ago. We did a refinance on the, the home mortgage that we have to take advantage of these low rates. And I had to go through the thaw process. It was a little bit of a pain, um, but it was nothing compared to the peace of mind that I get. And quite frankly, the safety and security that I get from the credit freeze. And when you went through that process, like how long did it take you to thaw your credit? It was honest. I think within 10 to 15 minutes, that's probably like a very conservative approach. It was probably much quicker than that. So max, max 10 to 15 minutes, I was able to thaw my credit in all three bureaus and you control how long you want to thaw it for. So if I'm talking to the loan officer, hey, when are you going to run this? Which bureau is you going to run? I need to run all three. No problem. My credit's frozen, Mr. Loan Officer, and I'm going to go ahead and thaw it right now. And he actually told me, he goes, oh, within minutes we can see it thawed because we deal with this all the time. It's not an issue. Just go ahead and thaw it and let me know when you're done. Within 10 minutes, I had them all three done because I have a Google Drive document and then I also have a hard file folder in my personal filing system at home um, with all the login information because who's going to remember that? Nobody. You got to write it down. You got to store it well, like Scott said. And if you know where to go to pull it up, you know, I recommend maybe don't put credit freeze on the file. Just name it something different so that, you know, if you ever get hacked or anything, it's not so obvious what it is. Um, But know where it is. Go in, log in, lift it, move on to the next one. And I chose like maybe two or three days to lift that credit freeze in case somebody else needed to look at it while it was unfrozen or thawed. Um, And honestly, it it was really simple. It was just one or two extra steps I had to go through. But... (laughs) <laughs> to prevent identity theft, prevent fraudulent activity under my name or my wife's name. I mean, this is really, this is not something that we just recommend you do. This honestly is a must do. There is no excuse for not freezing your credit. There is absolutely no excuse. I can't think of one excuse why you would not freeze your credit, no matter who you are. Um, I don't care if you're borrowing money all the time, which probably wouldn't be a good thing anyway. Um, you should still freeze your credit and you should thaw it every time you need to thaw it for whatever reason. Yeah, it's just great peace of mind. And going back to your story about how long it took you to unthaw all three, which you said 10 minutes, which is pretty quick. I can remember about a year and a half ago when when I was in the process of buying my house, I put in my loan application with my credit union and I got a phone call from the loan officer and they were like, sir, your credit's frozen. You know, you need to uh, thaw it with uh, TransUnion before we can kind of give you a, a decision on rate and all that. And I said, oh, hold on. And about, I don't know, maybe two minutes later, <laughs> I was I'm still on the phone with him. And I, I said, hold on, hold on one second. And I click, 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 click. And I was like, sir, run it now. 
clicks. He's like, oh, we're good. <laughs> so, was that? That's amazing. Was that with one bureau or all three? It was with just just a single bureau. They were only just pulling from bureau. one. Uh, yeah, and it was that, probably that's a beautiful thing because if they tell me, oh, hey, we only pull from TransUnion or we only pull from Experian. And most the of the time two. they do. Normally, it's just one bureau, sometimes right. two. I've never I, I've never had more than two I, that I can really think of. But it yeah, is some, like it's sometimes like I've talked to and said, like, we don't know which ones we pull. Maybe I had some donkeys on the phone. They didn't know what they were talking <laughs> about. But they're just like, just just clear all three. OK, that's great. That's just a, a little more work for me, but that's fine. I'm happy to do that. And uh, I, well, I remember when I, in Maryland, I used to have to pay for the credit freeze. So I wouldn't accept if they didn't know. I was like, well, you need to find out because I'm not spending 30 <laughs> bucks. I, I need to know exactly what bureau. So they would have you to better call know your back. stuff. But now, Listen, if you're, you know, if it's you're all trying free, to get Scott's so. business, you better know your stuff. You can't yeah, you come up in here just kind of slinging from the hip. Come on, man. Uh, Lance, one thing I wanted to mention is I mentioned the credit monitoring, how we don't like paying for those types of services. There is uh, free credit monitoring offered through two different websites. My favorite is Credit Karma, but there's also a company called Credit Sesame. Both are dot coms. Um, they're great. I have an account with Credit Karma and it's it's basically free credit monitoring. So if you're going to freeze your credit, I would recommend signing up for Credit Karma before you freeze your credit. If you do it after you freeze your credit, um, sometimes the account setup won't go correctly because they can't access your credit profile. So would recommend you signing up for a Credit Karma account before you actually freeze your credit, then freeze your credit, uh, and you'll have that free credit monitoring if there ever is an account that gets opened. You're gonna know about it, um, like Lance said. There, you know, there's a thaw time period. So really, that your biggest downside, I would say, is either a getting hacked or b something happening while your credit is thawed, because it could be for you have to select an amount of time and it has to be at least a day. So you'll see, you'll be able to see if anything is added to your credit profile. You'll also be able to tell if you missed a payment. It'll send you an email. So definitely recommend those services. That's cool. I love that. That's some sage advice, Scott. Sage. I think just in, in final thoughts here on credit freeze, um, if you've never heard of it, if you don't do this, when you finish this episode, please just, just go freeze your credit. It's so simple. It's very easy. I promise. And you will sleep knowing that nobody, not no one could do anything under your credit, your social security number, without um, lifting that freeze and they don't have that information. So it really is a way to just lock it down and totally secure it against probably the best way to prevent identity theft. Nothing is foolproof. There's no silver bullet. This is the closest thing to it um, without question. So do the credit freeze. Awesome, Lance. Love it. We are going to go ahead and get into questions that need answers. We need your questions. So if you have one, please send it to questions at dollarsandhops.com. Again, that's questions at dollarsandhops.com. And Lance and I will, will answer it on a future episode. This first one. It or if you have an article like our good friend Cam sent in earlier, and you think you, you, want, you want us to give some comment on it, you want us to kind of crack it open and see what we can find out about it. Give us, give our opinion. We're happy to do that too. So 
go ahead and email that link to an article that you might have to questions at dollarsandhops.com. Scott, what do we got? Love it. All right, Lance, this first question actually comes from Cam. And Cam again, Cam slamming it down. I, I'll, I'll take one minute here, Scott. So Cam, <laughs> his name is Cam Lawson. He's a good friend of mine in the upstate. Uh, Cam is actually uh, the electric guitar player in our band called The Cowork. That's uh, The Cowork. It's one word, C-O-W-O-R-K. And we Lance um, is a get rock a lot of music star. out there. Lance is a rock star. We're, rock, we're, we're wannabe rock stars, just wannabe. Not actually. And uh, we got some music out there on Spotify and Apple Music and wherever you stream or listen to music. Is Napster still a thing? I don't know. Scott, you listen to YouTube music? I don't even know what that was. Yeah, I got the YouTube. You're, I'm, you're like I'm a YouTube household, man. I, my my, <laughs> my two and a half year old consumes <laughs> some YouTube. So we're, we're YouTube uh, premium members, which is... That's, That's fancy. Very I'm not fancy. that fancy, but yeah. I, I, uh, but I, I don't know. You were selling me on it earlier. I, I'm looking more closely at it. Uh, but hey, the co-work, Cam is the guitar player, the electric guitar player in the co-work, a good friend for a long time. And um, we actually have a new album coming out very soon. I think we might be dropping some other stuff as well. Um, but you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Spotify. Um, and I think in the coming month or so, um, we are going to be releasing that new album. So we're excited to announce that uh, here on the podcast. And hopefully you'll go ahead and, and give us a listen. Uh, we would really appreciate it, but we we it's just a fun passion project for my buddy Cam and I and a bunch of other guys and gals that have helped out as a, it's a collaborative project over the years and um, continues to grow. So we're excited to uh, continue to push that. And for those of you wondering, I am not in the band, and that's a good thing. <laughs> All right, that's a very good thing. Lance, this first one from Cam. Pretty regularly, I get messages from friends who are into social retail marketing. They want me to join their team and start a side hustle and apparently never work another day in my life. What are your thoughts <laughs> on multiple streams of income and the sustainability of that? It also seems that social, social retail is a huge trend right now. What are your thoughts on it? Is it going to last? Is it a viable career for people? I've got a couple of friends who write off just about everything on their taxes because of their social retail business. This seems a mm. little sketchy to me, Lance. You got car, yeah, baby does. clothes, <laughs> and food, meals, etc. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because of all Oof. all those things are used in their marketing business. Uh, so it seems uh -huh. a little, uh, yeah. I don't know. But uh, this is like this is like something that I've seen. I've seen some of my friends get yep. into this, and they're they're pushing things on Facebook or Instagram for different brands, and it seems like yep. a new way to market. So what 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 do you think here? Definitely, I got a ton of thoughts here, Cam. Great question, brother. Thank you for sending this in, and thank you for being a a newer and loyal member of the podcast. I think Cam binged all twenty five or twenty six episodes, or whatever we have, Scott in like a week so he, he's been crushing it on some dollars and hops. <laughs> he has been um so yeah cam i uh i do think that this is a great question i think social retail marketing um you know I'll, I'll lump this in with multi-level marketing although i don't think they're the same thing but they can be the same thing where you have multi-level marketing that kind of bleeds into social retail marketing but i think you also have um instagram influencers facebook influencers um, bloggers with different niches like 
mom blogging or travel blogging or all these different, I, I think all of this falls into your question and it's multifaceted and it's very complex and it's changing constantly. Um, so your first question was, um, what are my thoughts on, a mul on multiple streams of income and the sustainability of that? I think side hustles and multiple streams of income are a great idea. And I think it's fine as long as it's not taking away from your primary source of income, your job, your career. I know you have a career as we talk often, buddy. Um, I have a career. And if I ever do a side hustle, like my first thought is like, I need to make sure my, my career is on track and I'm taking care of those things first. Um, then if you have time and extra effort, like at night and you want to do something as a side hustle, um, that's just a passion project, like the co-work, um, we don't make a ton of money doing that, but we have, a, we have a blast doing it. Right. So, um, I think all those things, um, you know, ideas or, or, Hey, you just want to go deliver pizzas or do something to make additional income to get a second or third job, whatever the side stream of income, the side hustle is. I'm all for that um, if you do it in, in a smart way. Um, I do agree with you. Social retail, this idea, that's, that's kind of how you coined it. It is a huge trend right now. Um, I think it takes um, a special person to be able to do that and to leverage their personal social network, social capital to leverage that for a particular product or service. I think if you don't believe in the product or service, um, I would never do it personally. Um, I'm in sales and I don't like to sell anything I don't personally believe in. I have to believe in it first. Um, I also personally kind of feel weird about leveraging my own personal network for a monetary gain. It's just, that's not why I have a personal network. Those are friends and family. And um, I just think there's some, you know, some, some wisdom in, in keeping those things separate. But I know there's, a, I have some friends who, like you cam who do this and do it seem to do it pretty well and maybe it's a product they really do believe in and you know i know for for one i'm not going to call it the name of this product on on this podcast but my wife buys some stuff from some friends and i <laughs> you know a lot of it and i'm like hey let's calm this down but she she believes in the product in it and honestly you know what it is a great product and she really gets use out of it so i'm okay for that so i think it's a uh, it's multifaceted. It's very complex. Um, is it a viable, is it going to last? And is it a viable career for people? It's a big question, man. I think for some people like the travel blogging and these niche like mom bloggers and um, different types of, I mean, absolutely it's a viable career. I mean, you hear time and time again of people quitting their engineering job, quitting to help their husband or their wife on promoting their like their blog that blew up whether it's like on traveling to the bahamas and going on these fishing charters or whether it's um you know whatever it is uh whatever their niche is that they've gotten a following and then in influencer brands are coming to them and saying hey be an influencer for us we'll pay you for this post and everything this is a very viable career and i don't see it changing anytime real soon but is it going to last my answer to that is nothing lasts forever it will change. It will morph over time as all technologies do, as all trends do. Um, so uh, your last question on people writing off um, all these expenses on their taxes and everything, my answer, we don't give professional 
um, investing advice. We don't give professional tax advice on this podcast. So this is for entertainment purposes only. So that said, if you have questions about your own, I would definitely say hire a CPA, hire a tax professional and get their opinion before you do anything like that. And then if you're worried about your friends, um, I'd say, hey, man, don't worry about it. That's on them. They're going to have to figure it out. If they ask you a question, I would give them the same advice. Like, hey, man, you should, you know, are you running this by your CPA? Like, make, make sure that's all legit because you don't want to try to cheat the IRS. You want to play by the rules. Um, that's not something you ever want to try to be fighting against. Um, and it, I would agree with you. It sounds like it could be a little bit of a gray area. Um, so definitely know the rules. Definitely have a CPA in your corner who can be looking over everything. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's totally viable. I think it can work. I think you got to have the right personality, the right product or service that you believe in. Um, and that's not a perfect answer, but that kind of, I think, dresses the topic at large. And maybe there's a point in the future where it becomes big enough where we need to do an episode on this, Scott. I don't know. But um, those are my thoughts. You got anything to add, Scott? I would just say that the whole writing off those expenses, I, I think that's a good way to get audited. Um, I was doing research for one of our previous episodes and I came across an article and it was like the easiest way to get audited. And it was basically writing mm. off weird things such as these. And the other thing is like, I feel like you would need to keep such great documentation as to why you were writing off certain things because the IRS isn't typically <laughs> fast at doing their audits. Then they have yeah. seven years to audit you. So, they, they might come back to you three years from now and say, hey, wh why did you write off your one-year-old's baby clothes? <laughs> and if you don't have an answer that really makes any sense, I mean, uh, it just yeah, seems yeah, silly, I, right? That would... <laughs> Let's write off legitimate go. business expenses. Let's not try to, yeah. you know, skirt the line there. Good, that, good that, that's, that's my two cents. It's like, it. it's just not worth it. Great. Thanks, Scott. Um, so we got one more question here we're going to dive into. Um, Scott, this question is from Michael. He writes in, Scott and Lance, love the show. My wife and I are looking to purchase a larger vehicle as we're expecting our second child in October. Congratulations. I applied for a loan at my local bank and was told my credit score is only 615. What can I do to improve my credit rating quickly so I can get a better interest rate? I was offered an 8.99% interest rate for a vehicle loan. Yikes. Scott, what can we tell our good friend here, Michael, on this? Yeah, Michael, thanks thanks so much for the question. And, and 8.99 is just quite frankly, unacceptable. We, we can't, we can't do a vehicle loan at 8.99. So, um, highway yeah, robbery. That, that's a little My high. Goodness. Uh, and, and by a little, I mean a lot. 615 is the problem. Uh, the, 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 the credit score 615 is the problem. And I think the first thing you need to do is pull a free copy of your credit report from annualcreditreport.com. I would also set up a account with credit karma you want to see what's going on um there's a reason it's 615 615 is definitely lower than average um and it probably means that maybe there was a payment missed um, maybe there's a bill in collections um it could be a number of different things but you want to you want to know what's on your credit profile to make sure it's accurate um and if it is accurate okay fine we got to deal with it right so um 
the first thing I would say is um, the two biggest pieces that make up your credit score are your credit utilization. That's the percentage of available credit that you're actually using. And the other piece and the largest piece is on-time payments. So if you take mm. care of those two things, uh, that makes up 60, 65% of your overall credit pro or uh, credit score. And on-time payments is pretty self-explanatory. Pay it before the due date. Utilization rate is not as self-explanatory. The credit scoring system will dock you in points or, or make it, you know, make, make it worse for your credit score if you're using more than 30% of your available credit. So let's say you have a credit card that's $1,000. If you're using more than $300 or you're charging more than $300, even if you're paying it in full, you'll get docked by the credit scoring system, you'll have a lower score. So the way to optimize that piece of your credit score is to charge no more than 10% of the available credit on your revolving credit lines. And like I said, it's even if you're paying it in full. So if you have $10,000 worth of credit card uh, limits out there, don't spend more than $1,000 in credit in any given month and always make that payment on time, make it in full and your credit score will start to tick up. Um, now you've got a child due in October. You have a little bit of time. It takes time for your credit to, to really go up. So if you're at 615, um, hopefully it's just utilization. Maybe that's, maybe that's the biggest piece of this that, that you're missing. Maybe if you get the utilization under control, it'll start ticking up but you really want to get that credit score over 700 and then you'll start qualifying for a much lower interest rate. So um, I would say take care of those two things. Don't, don't open any new credit lines before you buy this car because that will also lower, lower your credit. Um, but take care, make sure those payments are on time. Get that utilization rate low because that makes up 30% of the overall credit score you get those two things under control, I think your credit score will tick up. The interest rate that the bank offers you will be lower. And heck, I mean, if you're going to get, if you have to buy it even sooner than I'm, than I'm thinking, or before you can get your credit score up, buy a used vehicle, something and, and try to pay cash. Boom. That's right where I was going with this, Scott. Yeah. You, you actually jumped right into what I wanted to say on this and, and we don't know Michael's entire financial situation. That's fine. He was just writing in on a question. But to properly answer this, I, you know, you're talking about purchasing a larger vehicle, which means you already have a vehicle. We don't know if you owe on it. We don't know if you own it outright. But what I do know is that right now, used vehicles are in demand. And you might say, well, Scott and Lance, you know, you, you know, used cars are now really expensive. Right. But if you have a used vehicle to sell, that also means you can sell it higher as well. So I would argue that um, you know, what Scott offered here is fantastic knowledge on what makes up your credit score, how to increase your credit score, no matter what your situation is, if you need to increase it because you're going to buy a home or something else, all these things would still be true. However, in this situation for Michael, I might argue, hey, man, like I've got a bunch of kids and, you know, we bought a minivan and guess what? We bought it used. And, you know, it's like if you go used enough, 
cars that are made today, like a Honda Odyssey or a Toyota Sienna or these minivans that are bigger, that can hold a bunch of kids, they last a long time. They are made super well. And if you get a minivan that's five or even eight years old or even older than that, that's in great condition, man, you might be able to just sell your car, trade it in and pay cash for the difference and not have to take out any loan at all. And so that totally just bypasses this whole situation of credit score, not that your credit score is not important or that you shouldn't try to raise it for something else. I'm just simply pointing out that there might be another way to skin this cat. So um, I, I love the question. I think you're thinking about it well, but these are just two different and, and, and very both very good options that Scott gave you that I gave you that you can think about. Yeah, and, and to your point, Lance, um, I heard today that the average vehicle, this is the average, which means 50% lower, 50% higher, the average vehicle on the road is 12 years old. There you have so it. So you could get now, now. Why? Why is that the case? Why is that it's the case? Because technology is getting better and better every single year. These Boom. cars are getting better and better. They're like they're like rolling computers now, uh, which I guess could be seen as yep. a good thing or a bad thing. But they last a lot longer than they used to. You know, people people used to ditch their car after four or five years. You get to ten, and people would be like, "Oh, you have to have a new car." The average vehicle is 12 years old that's on the that's that's on the road so you could man you could buy a six or seven years old car and almost all the depreciation's gone and you still have years left on it based on the averages so that's huge and there that's a, that's a way to really get ahead in in, in uh, uh on the financial side is is to really drive a used or buy a used car I- the last thing I'll say on it, because this is a, a point that's worth bearing down on, Scott, because you're right. I think this is the number one people, the number one, one of the number one mistakes that the middle class makes um, in terms of wealth building is borrowing a lot of money on a depreciating asset. And it's just going to set you back. And the question is, what do you value? You know, if you really value a really nice car, maybe you're okay doing that. Um, it's just something to to consider, something to think about in your own personal situation, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this. Um, if you're considering borrowing a ton of money at an interest rate, any interest rate, to put down on an asset class that's going down in value over time, I would just simply ask you to reconsider that and think about it from a dollars and cents standpoint. That's yep. all. Love it, Lance. All right, Lance, let's go ahead and get into the hops showdown portion of the pod. Would you like to kick us off, Lance? I will. Um, So I am sipping on the Sierra Nevada Tropical Torpedo IPA. Um, I've said before I love the Torpedo IPA. I love their uh, double Torpedo IPA. I think that's what it's called. Um, and, and I love pretty much everything that comes from Sierra Nevada. They're amazing. I've yet to go to that brewery. Scott, you've been there. I'm jealous. Um, I got to say, I was expecting a lot out of this IPA. Um, and the more I'm sipping on it, the more I am liking it. I will say that. But it it really did miss the mark. And we're I'm not typically critical on this section of our show. And uh, I've been called out. I've been called out by some people. Uh, but I think today Good. we're going to have to, it's about time. Gonna, it's about time. Everything's in the we're 85 gonna, <laughs> to a 93 <laughs> for Lance. I mean, it's just it's true. every time. The tropical torpedo IPA, I got to be honest. It, um, it was lap, it was lacking tropical notes. 
it was lacking any hops flavor and it felt kind of, man, I'm, this is going to be aggressive. It felt a little lazy. <laughs> it felt a little lazy. It was lazy. It, it, was lazy. it, it didn't have the pizzazz or the dryness or the, it was just kind of like, I, I didn't just find myself. Short. It fell way short, not just a little short, in my opinion. Um, maybe some other people would love this beer. Uh, it fell way short. I had high expectations. That might be part of it too uh, for Sierra Nevada. So I am giving this one a 78. 78. All right, Lance. That's a low bar for me to clear. Again, I was drinking the One Claw. This was from Westbrook Brewing Company out of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, just outside Charleston. And this was a rye pale ale. And to me, it didn't taste like a rye pale ale. Hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. And maybe I, I don't have a lot of rye, not, not a lot of rye pale ales. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I, I don't know. It, it tasted like a Citra IPA to me. It did. It didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't get it. I think you're drinking too many Citra IPAs. And but I loved it. It was amazing because I love Citra IPAs. But it was like I, I was confused yeah. when I was drinking it. But um, I I almost feel like I don't know. I, I I don't know what I'm missing here. Um, but I loved it. So I'm gonna give it a high score, a 92, because it was great. Yeah. And I would I would have it any day of the week. I loved it. Um, I just think that the rye part of it is a, is a little misleading and maybe maybe just my palate can't pick it up so i i don't, I don't know but i would definitely recommend it i yeah. would um yeah well they, they do use citra hops in that one claw and i've had it many times and it it um i'm like looking at the can art right now and i'm like remembering it and i'm like dude it's 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 their premier beer so you you rated it really well and it, it is one of their best so well done scott it's uh well earned by westbrook yeah, Westbrook takes it, takes this hop show down. Takes it down, takes it down. All right, Lance, I'm going to leave everybody here with our action step. Have you set up a credit freeze? Boom. If not, do it now. This is not negotiable. You need a credit freeze. Everybody has to have a credit freeze. Go to dollars. No excuse. Dollarsandhops.com in the show notes, episode 26. I will have the links for everyone to click on to go to each of those three bureaus to freeze your credit today. This is the most effective way to keep someone from stealing your identity and taking out credit as if they're you. Shut them down today. Love it. This is Lance. This is Scott. Live and give on Lesson You Make and Invest a Difference. Dollars and Hops out. You have been listening to the Dollars and Hops podcast. Optimizing your financial future starts with taking action today. Got a question? Shoot us an email at questions at dollarsandhops.com and the guys will tackle it on a future episode. Visit our website, dollarsandhops.com, for show notes and the craft brew lineup for each episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thanks for listening.